0: Hello, Rank Squad, and welcome to Champions League Takeaway here on Ranks FC. the first one with action involved of this season. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. Joining me is our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate?
2: Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, it's quite funny, actually, because um, when we did the, the last... Uh, big Champions League show, which was obviously on the back of the draw. I didn't know how the draw had panned out, uh, if everyone remembers rightly. And I got quite a few messages that day saying, oh, that was fun. Like, I'm glad you didn't know what was coming because we loved the anticipation of getting to the, to some of the groups and, and seeing how you would react to them because we already knew. And I was like, that's cool. And then inadvertently tonight, we've turned up for this show and it's obviously recording Wednesday night I've watched Man United v Bayern Munich, but I don't actually know any of the other scores from today's games. They they didn't show up. like It used to be the case, I think, that they would flash up in the bottom corner of the screen. That didn't happen tonight uh, with the United game. So um, I've actually got the Arsenal game playing right now, Now and they've just gone 1-0 up uh, against PSV, and Saka's tucked one away. Um, but I've got no idea how the game ends. So you are actually going to be... A great service to me tonight, mate, because you are revealing some Champions League scorelines, and I have avoided the the score app because once I realised I didn't know any outcomes, I was like, "Do you know what? I'm going to find these out in the on the uh, on the pod as well." So, yeah, I've I've gone through the weird game that was by v Man United, and the rest I will learn from you.
0: Yeah, I mean, the way that we're going to do Champions League takeaway through the group stage is going to be a bit different to what we did in the knockouts because last at the end of last year, obviously, we could sort of dole it out and there were less games going on. But across the course of it, we can't cover everything if we want this show to be as immediate as we would like it to be. So we're going to pick three big takeaways from each day of the Champions League. If you haven't guessed from Dean's remark there, I'll have two on today's games and he's going to have two on yesterday's games. And then we'll do a quick roundup of each day as well. So we'll start with Wednesday's action. And DJ, you're going to lift us off with well, the chaos fest that was Manchester United 3, Bayern Munich 4 at the Allianz Arena in Bavaria.
2: Yeah, United you know, went to Germany with very little hope, I think, and, and came out with it, remarkably, with three goals to their name. Um, but conceding four, could have been seven or eight, to be honest. Um, absolute disaster, yet again. I mean, I, I don't even know what to do with this team anymore. Um it's the same old story mate for 20 minutes they looked all right i mean they were they were reasonably organised and stuff and i was keeping a close eye on casemiro cuz like right he's getting a bad time of things i want to keep an eye on, on exactly how he's doing his positioning was fine you know he wasn't he was looking a bit lumbersome if you like like he was he was not getting around the pitch very much but he was well-positioned, he was commanding and he was popping off some neat first-time passes and I was like, okay, that's not too bad. Eriksson seems a little bit all over the place. I'm not sure where Bruno Fernandes is playing but um, they're playing okay generally. They just haven't really got any threat and then it all just falls down on them and like, Onana, for Christ's sake, I mean... It wasn't good. It was useless, mate. I mean, the first goal was just an embarrassment. Like, I mean, it just disaster and I mean this is a, the problem with Man United is and I've tried to I wanted to avoid doing this I, I was like I want to give Casemiro and Onana credit today like that was my aim coming into the game I can't it's quite
0: a bold thing to,
2: to well, start I wanted to. yeah I was like I just going to watch these guys and be like look it's not that bad and the reason I wanted to do it is because United always have scapegoats and no it's not Jaden Sancho normally it's been like Ronaldo, it's been McTominay, it's been Fred there's been Harry Maguire, there's been David De Gea um, has been Anthony there's been Casemiro there's, there's been Onana recently and I was like this isn't it Like, it's, it's the overall thing that's the problem and we're always always picking out individuals as they're the problem and then Onana does that and I'm like fuck's sake, like, what are you doing and then let's hit another one like, four minutes later. To be fair, the second goal isn't quite as bad. The second one, though, is Casemiro's fault. Like, Musiala's gone round him like he's an old man. And it's like, you can't let... Like, obviously, like, they're at different stages of their career. But, like, Casemiro's not... Shouldn't be as immobile as he looked as Musiala just turns around him and just waltzes away with the ball goes through like Musial what he does is magic like the, the guy is different class but like in that moment it wasn't really made much of on the game on the version that I was watching but I was like that is so easy the way that Casemiro has gone out there and then not done anything to stop him from getting past him and then yeah you know Gnabry sticks it in you like the 2-0 down the Alliance and there's pretty much no way no way back from that. There hasn't been any quotes yet from Ten Hag, but if he didn't give him a bollock in at half time, i will be amazed because they're absolute shambles by the end of the half. And like, um, I, know, I know, obviously, like the big thing is his passing. Even his passing was going astray towards the end of the half. You could see his head had gone a little bit. You know, he had three sub keepers on the bench, right? And it's yeah. weird, obviously, and they're doing it to make up numbers. But on the back of what Arteta was saying the other day and what we were talking about the other day, with changing goalkeepers and like David Ryan Ramsdale having this competition, I was thinking to myself, Onana looks in such a bad place right now. He's having an awful game in terms of shopping, shot stopping shots, and now he's not passing it out properly either. If this was anyone else on the pitch, they'd be subbed. He's playing that badly. He's having a nightmare, right? It's awful. And for his sake, you might want to take him out of the game but obviously they didn't. And to be fair, in the second half, Anana made three or four decent stops, even though United ended up conceding a couple more. But, look, I don't know what United could do, but they've now conceded 10 goals in their last three matches. Like, they're giving up goals, like, at record numbers here. Like, I can't remember the exact stats. so I'm not going to repeat it, but in terms of like two or more gold being conceded, like this is a record that goes back like 20 odd years or something for Man United to have conceded this many goals at this stage of a season. Um, and just piles more misery really on, on Eric Ten Hag who um, just isn't getting anything going his way. Look, Lau Hoyland got a goal back after the break and it, I love Holland already, by the way. I think he he's looking really sharp. I, I really enjoy watching him. And I can't wait to see the full version of him once we see the full version of Man United because it'll be good. Um, but yeah, obviously United do get back in the game at 2-1. And like, I don't even know if it was two minutes later that Ericsson handball's in the box and there's a pen as everyone on Twitter he's is a like, bit unfortunate. Is it, mate? Is it? What, why is that? I'm, I mean, it's unfortunate. Yeah, but it's a penalty. Like, everyone on yeah, Twitter yeah, is like, yeah. that's not a penalty. It's a penalty. Like, in I this day and age, and in I the Champions League, that is a penalty. Yeah, no, you are to say unfortunate. Fair enough. But that's a penalty. There were so many people on Twitter, like, saying, I can't believe that that's been given. Why? Why can't you believe that's been given? That's A penalty like that's been given in the Champions League for at least the last two years. And so... Yeah, I don't know that Erikinson could do much about it, but he also can't really complain because that's the way football works now, especially in this competition. So uh, Kane buries it. Like, uh, I don't know why Onana even bothered diving. Like he he buried one, it with glee as well. <laughs> well. There was yeah. like, no, you know, of all the things Onana c- could have saved this season, that weren't one of them. So he should have just stood there. Um, yeah, Kane absolutely buried it. And then. Killed off late on, even though Casemiro somehow manages to grab a couple of consolation goals. But yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a bad time. The thing is, we all knew Man United were going to lose this game. Um, it's all about now for them the next month and how they they bounce back from it. From a Bayern Munich point of view, like they'll be disappointed that they've come out of it with three goals conceded, but they were in command of this game. Like they outclassed Man United in in every area of the pitch. Um, I don't After m- the
0: first 20 minutes, I thought.
2: Yeah, well after the first twenty minutes I thought we football, even to be honest. Like it was it was it was just a bit nothing was really happening. It was a bit boring, it was a bit cagey. Um and as soon as that moment when Musiala turned it on, that was something man I didn't have. And that's what Bayern do have over them. And in, and in the end, yeah, Bayern were definitely superior. It
0: was quite like there's quite a comedy element of the fact that on paper, going to Bayern Munich away and losing 4-3, scoring three goals, yes, it's never good to concede four, but losing by a single goal, scoring three times at the Allianz, on paper, it's not a particularly dreadful result. But I think that what was quite weird about it is that every time United hit back, it felt like they were punished immediately. And that's the kind of weird thing about this. Obviously, as we say, the Ericsson thing is is unfortunate, but it is kind of the Oh, you get yourself back in the game. It gets taken away from you. And then suddenly, you know, the the Casemiro goal from the floor happens in the 89th minute. We know there's going to be five or six minutes of injury time. You're like, okay, cool. Can United pile on the pressure? Bayern go down the other end. Muller hits the post. And then Matthias Tell scores. It's a really good finish, actually, the fourth one. Yeah. And then obviously they score again right at the end. But it didn't ever feel, I didn't think, like Bayern had lost control of the game. And that's probably the thing that hits hardest and cuts deepest from United perspective, because you feel like in a game where you pull back to within a goal twice, you should be able to take the initiative and at least, tr- you know, get something going straight away. And yet it was taken away from them by Bayern almost like effortlessly in both occasions.
2: Yeah, it's it's true. It, it, it's exactly that. Um, effortlessly might be might be the word there. Um but yeah, from a Man United's point of view, mate, it's just the same old story. And I mean, I doesn't think it even needs that deep an analysis. I've just heard Paul Scholes talking about it at the end there. And he, he said, you know, first half, you know, we're doing fine, like we've just said there. And, and then it all just starts to unravel in the, in the yeah. end of the first half. And in the second half, he said, you know, bye and just mastered them. And that's pretty much the story of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay,
2: let's roll
0: onwards uh, because I want to talk... About Arsenal four PSV
1: Oh,
2: well. battered him absolutely, battered him, and that. Well, remember on Patreon the other day, I said that wouldn't happen, didn't I?
0: Well, this was comprehensive. Wow, and that's I've a got hell say, of a result. Arsenal were exceptional, and I have PSV Eindhoven pegged as the second best team in this group. Yeah. Um, so for them to win four 0 now obviously let's let's you know take the context. Last year in the Europa League, these two teams were in the same group. Arsenal won pretty comfortably against PSV at home and lost in Eindhoven. So it's not all doom and gloom, but this is a different PSV side, different manager, different personnel. And Arsenal kind of, there was a lot of chat about them being at the top table again, right? Being back in Champions League action. And the goals came in such wonderful fashion. So obviously you've seen the Bakaya Saka goal where he taps in the rebound, but he opens the entire thing up himself, um, then he turns provider, he squares and Trossard scores a lovely goal, two and two for him. And as PSV tried to open the game out and respond, it just kept coming from mm. Arsenal. Gabriel Jesus scored his first goal of the season, tied the game up really before half time. could have added a second just after the break. And then Arteta was able to ring the changes early in the second half. There was a nice moment for Emile Smith-Rowe who came on, Claire. set up an absolutely stunning goal for Martin Ødegaard. And I think that you look at Saka, you look at Erdegaard here. I thought that Declan Rice had a really good game. I actually thought that Kai Havertz had a really good game as well. Now, people will go, oh, no goals, no assists for Havertz once again. But actually, the way he drove forward with the ball, the way he, he led that press from midfield, I thought was really, really impressive tonight. And you just look at the players that stepped up here for Arsenal. There were moments, and this is a PSV side with... You know, some some serious footballers, especially on the wings. Noah Lang and Johan Bakayoko, really exciting footballers who who get going and get into games and can really cause defenders problems. They didn't. And I think that you look at Gabriel, who makes a really wonderful tackle on Bakayoko just before the break in the box, just nicks it away from him after Bakayoko's beaten one or two. And you're like, ah, this is a team in complete control. And if this is how control, in control they are against a team who I think are the best side in their group, Arsenal might wipe this group. Mm. And to kind of get to that level, and it's kind of one of these real strange moments that it's always hard stepping back into the Champions League. It's always some teams really struggle to, to make that jump up. Some teams, teams struggle with the expectation. And we talked about Arsenal and struggling with expectation at different points of last season. But this felt so seamless. It feels like Saka, Erdegaard are built for this stage. This is Declan Rice's Champions League debut. Now, look, I suppose the fact that they're 3-0 up at half time affects the way that the game develops, but they were just so composed, Arsenal. And we've said this season that they haven't been at their very best. We haven't seen the best of Arsenal yet, um, but they felt a little bit more resilient. And this is what happens when that resilience opens up really early. And it just felt like so many of this team were so ready for this stage. Mm. And that was my big takeaway from the Arsenal game. They just felt so ready so composed, so in control. And the fact that he got off to that really good start would have helped this. And ultimately, you know, you look at some of the other games in this group and we'll talk about that in a little while. There is no reason that Arsenal can't go, you know, 18 points for 18 in this group if PSV are their second best opponent and they have swiped them away today, like swatted them like an annoying fly because this could have been far more than four. And there was maybe one big moment for PSV in the yeah. first half where Lang put teed up a really nice chance actually for Bakayoko, but he just sort of dribbled it down David Ryder's throat. And it was just like, cool. This is a, that that's kind of it. it. It, that was, that was all that was kind of offered up as a response. And yeah. it just, it, this was a really, really impressive performance from Arsenal. I thought.
2: Oh, wow. Well, I wasn't expecting them to see them off this resoundingly and to not concede against PSV is very impressive. I mean that's now two goals. David Raya was in goal, wasn't he? So that's two games in a row he's played and, and not conceded. So that's that's back to back clean sheets. So that's very interesting in this in this goalkeeper competition uh, that that Arteta has now uh, presented himself with. And I'm guessing that means that David Raya is going to be starting the North London Derby at the weekend. So that's that's another uh, little narrative to. I, I bounce off of that one with. But that's important for Arsenal too, going into that North London derby. This was a massive week for them, having this first Champions League game, being back in the competition, and then going into a game they really need to at least not lose at the weekend. And I imagine after the performance that you've just described, they will... Highly fancy their chances of now taking that tone into the Premier League. And while they've been good in the Premier League, you say they haven't been like outstanding and like actually set themselves apart from teams so far. And this will be an opportunity for them to now go and do that. I'm just going to say, by the way, um, because I was uh, absolutely slating Onana um, a minute ago as we're recording now um it, some quotes from him have just dropped because he he requested to speak after the game to the media and he's come out with quotes just accepting the blame for this for this defeat says it's it's my responsibility it's because of me we didn't win i have to learn from it i've got a lot to prove uh, to be honest my starting uh, here at man united is not good it was me who's let the team down very rarely do you hear that and i don't know if you saw it but um there was a, a video going around before the game of him doing a an interview. Uh, I'm not sure with which TV outlet it was, but it was a foreign one. Um, basically saying like, it, it like everything's going to be fine. This is a team problem that we've had so far. And he was talking so confidently and so calmly that he even put his arm around the interviewer. Like he was so relaxed in himself. And then he goes and puts in a performance like that. And he has to come out of with quotes like this after. So fair play to Anana for holding his hands up there. Um he's got yeah, criticism and he's already bouncing back from it straight away and coming out and saying, Yeah, I'm to blame. That that is pretty brave, yeah, but I think I mean obviously they are statement fc so we probably should have, we should have we should have probably expected it. But yeah, um perhaps. yeah, even the goalkeeper's doing it now. Yeah, absolutely. Well fair play
0: to Andre Anana. do really hope he turns that around because do you think he's a wonderful goalkeeper? Um, right, the third and final takeaway is going to be from Real Sociedad 1, Inter 1. Um, and I will, I'll walk you through this game in a minute. Yeah. The takeaway is that Simone Zagi got this wrong. He mm. over-rotated. Uh-huh. And he over-rotated quite badly. Uh, he started Marko Arnautovic up front mm-hmm. uh, instead of Marcus Turan. He started Carlos Augusto on the left wing back. Uh, he brought in Christian Aslani in defensive midfield. Uh, and he brought in Benjamin Pavard as well in the defensive line. And Inter Milan are incredibly, incredibly lucky to have got a point out of this game. They should have been dead and buried. You look at the stats for the game, for the, for the entire thing. Uh, Real Sociedad had 14 shots, five on target. Inter had six shots, one on target. Real Sociedad did what to Inter, what Inter did to Milan in the derby. Apart from they couldn't finish their chances. And Bryce Mendes actually put Real Sociedad ahead after four minutes. He robbed, he robbed Bastoni on the edge of his own box, um, knocked him over <laughs> and just slotted past Jan Sommer. And from there, it was one-way traffic. Absolutely one-way traffic. How Real Sociedad didn't score more than this one goal, I will never know. Like I, I, I will never know. It was a, an absolutely incredible display. I thought Oyatabal was brilliant. I thought Baranacheo, who was playing in a slightly different sort of centre-forward role, was excellent. Taki Kubo, brilliant. Bryce Mendes bombing on from midfield. Thought that Kieran Tierney had a really good game and Robin Lenormand as well. It was basically... Almost a, everything you could want at Anaweta for Real Sociedad's return to the big time. And later on, 87th minute, Lautaro Martinez nicks an equalizer. Now, basically, us. what happened was Inzaghi rang the changes. He brought on Marcus Turam. He brought on a Acherbi in the back line. He brought on Fratesi in midfield. He brought on Di Marco and moved it slightly to a kind of four at the back rather than a five. And he brought on Alexis Sanchez. And those, well, four of those players turned this around. Max Turam nearly scored an equaliser, was ruled out for offside. And then a couple of minutes later, they did get the equaliser. But Inter finished the game really strongly. And I think they will be looking at this and going, one, wow, we've got away with one there. And two, if we'd actually started playing 10 minutes earlier, we could have won the game. So it's a bit of a strange one.
2: Mm. But
0: my big takeaway is that Inzaghi doesn't get much wrong, but he got this wrong.
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely would have had Inter down to win that one. Um, so that's a surprise. I'm just looking at the game now. Barella sent off, uh, and then Barella, yeah, it was—it's
0: it, one of those where he's—he he gets in a tackle, and he basically is trying to free his leg from between the tackle. But in the mm. meantime, he sort of stomps on the his opposition numbers' uh, crown jewels, shall we say? Mm. So it's a really painful one. But I don't. Th- think he's he does it quite aggressively to try and get out of there but i don't think he's trying to stamp on him on purpose so yeah. it was originally a red downgraded by var it is one of those that could have gone either way i think
2: yeah i mean bringing those three subs on i mean no wonder they changed the game i mean they're three of their best players like, literally um but that that is ringing too many changes and trying to be too did he underestimate real sociedad like i think
0: he... maybe a little bit yeah yeah
2: i'd imagine so if that if he thinks he can get away with something like that like very surprised that they uh, haven't gone and and won there, but um, at least they haven't lost. At least they haven't lost. They've got away with that, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, uh, a bit of a funny one, but it's, um, yeah, really impressed with Real Sociedad. They haven't had the best start to life back in La Liga. One win, three draws, one loss, um, which came to Real Madrid, obviously, at the weekend. but. Yeah, they haven't they haven't quite hit the heights yet, but from what we saw tonight, it won't be long before they are cooking again. Uh, right, I'm going to quickly run you through a little little breakdown of everything else that happened on Wednesday. Uh, Real Madrid one Union Berlin nil. Union Berlin seconds away from the fairy tale start in the Champions League with a point in the Bernabeu, but then there's a man on fire. There's a man on fire and Jude Bellingham is incredibly difficult to stop right now. Oh, wow. Popped up again through the difference. Six goal in six games since joining Real Madrid in the 95th minute of this one. And you know what? When your luck's in, your luck is in. It bounces off two Union players. They completely switch off from the corner. Tony Crows plays it out to Fede Valverde, who has a shot. They don't close down the shot. It bounces like off three players and falls to Jude two yards out with an open net and he slots it home gleefully um but the Bernabeu has a new hero and his name is Jude bellingham six in oh, six he's one off he's one off the amount of goals that benzema scored in his first season at real madrid
2: mate i mean that is he's, he's he's doing all right the lad isn't he and i mean what is really telling here is that the other day we were talking about how um obviously real madrid um played that first game in the Bernabeu. I'm just trying to remember who it was against. Uh, Hatafe, that was it. Um, And obviously he scored then deep into injury time. And then so to now I've done that in the Champions League as well. He's already in that mentality that has been going back like 100 years inside that stadium. He's already got that knack to him. That is outstanding. Like absolutely ridiculous.
0: Tough on Union, to be honest. They defended really well for, for 90 minutes and they just lost their concentration in the dying seconds. Yeah. Um, they, they, were, they were definitely the inferior side, but they would have been relatively good value for a point, I think, um, given the way they defended. Still a good result,
2: anyway. mate. To go to Real Madrid and only lose 1-0 in the last minute, I know it's like sapping, but it's it's still something you can be proud of.
0: Points make prizes, Make Points make prizes. Um, right to the quarry, or, or Pedreira,
2: as it's known in
0: Braga, uh, where the score was Braga 1, Napoli 2. I think it was probably the most entertaining game of the night, to Ooh. be perfectly honest with you. Um, so he yeah, had champions Napoli in town. Napoli could have scored four, five goals in the first half. Victor Ossimen hit the woodwork twice. He hit the post with a header and then he hit the crossbar with a shot. Um, but finally, they broke the deadlock just on the stroke of half time. Giovanni Di Lorenzo firing a volley home. Braga made it a very really good contest, though. And they kept trying to strike on the break, threw up plenty of chances for themselves. And at 1-0, it was really hotly contested the whole way through. And it looked like they'd earned themselves a point because Bruma headed in and equaliser with just minutes to go. Um, but that only lasted two minutes. Next Napoli attack, punishing own goal for Siku Niacate. Really harsh. He fired into his own net when he was trying to clear a Zielinski cross. It was tough on Braga, but Napoli definitely the better side in this one. And those three points felt deserved.
2: Oh yeah, that sounds like um, they, they again they got away that, that, that late. But um, Oh bra, game must be gutted when you get an equaliser that late. And you think you, you've snatched something. It's all about that that strength of mind and resilience to hold out. But when it's Napoli coming at you and at you and at you, it's it's always gonna be hard. I mean, who was left on the pitch at the end? As Ozyman, oh they was still on the pitch. I'm just looking at I'm just looking through this now. But Ozyman was still on the pitch. I see by the time they yeah. actually did get that breakthrough goal, is it? He was indeed.
0: Um, yeah. Right. Sevilla won, Lens won. Uh, Sevilla started strongly, I thought, but it was a pretty dull game. They were gifted a goal by Brice Samba. He sort of let Lewis, Lucas Campos get in front of him at a corner and just like loop a header over his head, which was pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, you kind of expect better from Samba. He's a, he's a French international. He's been very good for a long period of time. Just expect him to, to be able to improve on, on, on that kind of thing. But uh, Lon's got a point. they got a, a really good equaliser from Angelo Fulgini, who hit a screamer of a free kick into the top corner. Uh, first Champions League goal for them for almost two decades. And look, they're currently bottom of league up. Like This was a game between two yeah. sides who really struggled at the start of this season. It wasn't that exciting. There was a couple of moments to Elia Wahi, who could have won it. There were a couple of moments to VIA later on as well. But... Yeah, I mean, not the most exciting game, and as we said in the Arsenal segment, the Gunners will be, and I think PSV as well will be looking at this and thinking, yeah, we can yeah, we Yeah, that's big for Arsenal, that's
2: is in a draw, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Um, Benfica nil, RB Salzburg 2. Oh, wow. In Lisbon. Wow. Another year, another glut of incredibly talented youngsters shining on the big stage at Salzburg, right? 20-year-old yeah. and a 19-year-old scored the goals to beat Benfica in Lisbon. Benfica were, like, comical. It was like a it was like a tragedy, a comedy of errors, if you will. They gave away two penalties and had a man sent off in the first 20 minutes. Um, they were given a sort of reprieve when Karen Kanate missed the first penalty. It was a really bad penalty. Um, and then they were like, okay, that wasn't good enough. You have another go. Oh. Trubin came out. Trubin gave away the first penalty. Came for the second. The ball gets lifted over him when he comes, comes out with nowhere near getting it. And it bounces off the crossbar. Antonio Silva tries to head it away, misses it, and then just palms it off the line. And the oh. ref's like, mate, what are you doing? It's like, melon of obviously, you are going to have to send you off. I don't think he's intending to do it. It's like kind of like a, you know, a natural reaction. But it's like the ref was like, I know you didn't mean to do that, but you've just denied them a goal. <laughs> you've got to be sent off. Um, and Rocco Simic put it away. Do you know his dad was? Dario Simic, 100 capsules. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, So he scored from the spot. Really good goal. And weirdly, Benfica got better once they had 10 men. Um, Angel Di Maria nearly scored directly from a corner. There were a couple of big chances. But eventually they threw a bit too much caution to the wind. And Salzburg went on this kind of five-man break. Simic knocked the ball round the keeper. And Oscar Gluck, 19-year-old who shone in the under-European championships the other year, tapped home for a debut goal in the Champions League for him. So... Yeah, another crop of Salzburg youngsters tearing it up uh, on the big stage. Really, really cool. Uh, and finally, Galatasaray 2, Copenhagen 2. A bit of a nuts game this as well. It was the other early kickoff alongside Real Madrid, Union Berlin. And Galatasaray were 2-0 down. In Istanbul to Copenhagen after some pretty comical defending, to be honest. Mm. Um, but then Copenhagen had man sent off. Galatasaray just somehow turned on the style. Two absolutely unbelievable volleys in two minutes, levelling the contest. It was 86th and 88th minute, I think, the two goals in. But in the second one, made in the Premier League, Wilfred Zaha <laughs> crosses the ball, and Tete was on loan at Leicester last year, volleys home. So ended to all, a um, bit of a crazy contest, but uh, the Gala fans would have gone home relatively happy, having been very, very upset at halftime.
2: Mm, interesting one well done Wilf he's always wanted to play at this level uh and and try and make his mark so I'm, I'm glad he's done that in in match day one at his new club
0: yeah absolutely all right after the break we're going to be looking at Tuesday's action
2: so don't go anywhere
0: Welcome back to Ranks FC and Champions League Takeaway. We're going to take a look at Tuesday's Champions League action. And I'm going to hand over to Dean for the first and the third of these takeaways. But where are we starting off, DJ? We'll
2: go to Milan first. AC Milan, nil, Newcastle, nil. somehow. Takeaway really is that Rafael's had an off day. Um, And these don't come around as often as they used to. That's that's for sure. But you do still see him. I reckon about 20% of the time. Maybe one in five, you get a Liao off day. And when you get a Liao off day, he's really off colour. And he tries things and they don't work. And he becomes frustrating. Even his teammates probably at the end are like, "Why well, just get off, just get off. And it was it was one of those for him. Um, I'm sure everybody's seen that the attempted back heel uh, in, in the box after a run. And it kind of summed up how his day was going. Look, let's face it, like at the weekend... Liao was kind of let down by his teammates when AC Milan were battered by Inter Milan. This was a game when his teammates actually really bounced back from that performance. Everyone up to their levels and Liao dropped off and he just couldn't find um, the finishes that he normally would have and yeah, over trying, whatever, maybe, maybe, but look, Newcastle were we're up against it here. Um, in terms of possession, you, you could look at it and it, it looks like it was reasonably even because Milan only had 52% according to that. But, you know, they had like 20 shots at Newcastle's goal. Newcastle, I think, had three shots throughout the 90 minutes um, and just couldn't really offer much. Bizarrely, Newcastle could have actually nicked it right at the end. Um, and as long as stuck one over the bar, and he probably had a pass on as well and he could have just stuck it one more pass wide. There might have been a better option for Newcastle to go and nick it here and their fans would have gone absolutely mad. But yeah, Newcastle will be pleased, I think, to get out of here um, with a point. It's a a good result for them. There's no doubt about it. AC Milan will definitely see this as points dropped, And I'm afraid it's one of those days where I don't like to see, I really don't like to see. And I thought... I wasn't going to see it on this sort of stage anymore. But Raphael just wasn't himself. Yeah,
0: no, I, I think you're probably right. He he had the mo- there were moments, but not kind of continued brilliance. I thought, and you're right. I thought that the rest of the Milan side really stepped up. I, I, I think Newcastle and I watched Eddie Howe's post match interview yesterday, and he was like, "No, I thought it was a pretty even game. Just they had all the chances, and we didn't." Like, that's not an even game, Eddie. That, that's, that's very different to an even game, I would say. 25 shots for Milan, nine on yeah, target yeah. and unable to breach the new category. I thought that Nick Pope did well without being you know, particularly brilliant and didn't need to. But I did think it was a little bit harsh that the commentary team kept being like, they keep heading it all straight at Nick Pope. I was like, they're heading it down into the ground and, you know, it's it's bouncing up into a good place for him. That's not necessarily their fault. That's just a little bit of luck. It, it felt like a really harsh criticism, but Milan will probably be looking at it and going, that's a major missed opportunity in such a difficult group at home. You've got to have to win your home game. So... Absolutely. Yeah, tough one yeah. for Milan. Um, really I was. want to take us over to Barcelona, where my hot take off this is, Joao Felix is back in Ballon d'Or form. <laughs> Go on then. Welcome back to the Joao show, because wow. I have missed this. I have missed watching him in this kind of joyful exuberance and watching him in these first two games, even against Betis at the weekend. Filled my heart with joy. He is just such a wonderful footballer when he's enjoying himself. And look, whether that goes across the course of his career and it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, right? And you have to learn how to deal with those things. and, And maybe that's a criticism that he can have. But when he's on this kind of form and you can see the kind of childish glee that he has about playing in this Barcelona shirt, he's now got three goals and one assist in two starts for Barcelona. Whoa. It's a very remarkable start to life. They've won both games. He started 5-0. Uh, now, this was comfortable against Antwerp. They started hot and it didn't get much easier. But more than anything, his, his goal is good. It's a really good sort of tuck inside, hit the ball early. And we saw a lot of that at Benfica, where he's an early striker of the ball and it would beat goalkeepers all ends up because he hits it hard and low and true. Um, And and we've seen a little bit of that so far here at Barcelona. But more than that, his assist for Lewandowski's goal is really beautiful. And it's like one of those you're looking at and going, okay, wow. And suddenly Lewandowski looks reborn. You know, the first couple of games of this season, yes, they were tough physical encounters, fine. But he said last season that whilst he appreciates why Barcelona were playing with that four sort of in the middle rather than 4-3-3 it meant that he didn't have as many players to work off and it meant he thought the team were less creative. Well, suddenly Felix is coming on that left-hand side and his eyes must be lighting up every time they get the ball into the final third. Gavi was brilliant behind him as well, allows Felix to kind of not necessarily need to do quite as much defensive work. But when he's playing like this, he is such fun. And I think this Barcelona side are going to be a heap of fun, you know, in the Champions League this season. I think there's a bit of a okay, we didn't get through the group last season, can we come back and make a real statement? And I wonder if if this is going to be one of the things they really you know, heavily focus on, maybe even more so than the league, in order to just be like, oh, by the way, we're back. Especially mm-hmm. because of the financial incentives that come with going deep in the Champions League, right? which the club need. There is also all sorts of questions about if Gerard Felix has an absolutely unbelievable season, can Barcelona actually afford to buy him? So is it better <laughs> for them if they if he doesn't? But... Just watching him in that Blaugrana shirt has been so much fun already in the two games we've seen him play. And my takeaway was just that in this kind of form, and if he stays in this kind of form, and he stays in playing this kind of way, it Joao Felix will be back in the Ballon d'Or conversation next year. Not maybe to win it, but in the, the top 10 conversation.
2: Yeah, he's I mean, bold. He's played against Betis and Royal Antwerp. So um... yeah, Real
0: Betis is the second best side in it.
2: <laughs> second best team in what Seville in, in,
0: oh. <laughs> you you can quiet down over there that's quite that's quite enough from
2: you but uh, yeah that is a hot take mate um, but look it's good to see this version of Michelle Felix back obviously um, he wasn't that bad last season at Chelsea was he like he was just in a, in a team that was an absolute disaster um, and now he's in a team that are good so hopefully he can just be himself and get the add-in with the goals that that should have probably come his way at Chelsea last season because half the time I watched him he was actually the best player on the pitch deal so that that's probably not far off what you're saying he will be back in that conversation in no time absolutely um,
0: all right let's go to city for our final hot take of the evening or takeaway
2: yeah just trying to remember who, uh, who they were playing but yeah man city three Red star Belgrade one um can you can you say that in Serbian for me please I absolutely can't. I mean, I still don't know why we have to see this version of it. I and mean, what does it say? Svena Zvezda. I Don't know what you said. Well, what I
0: said, you said Red Star in Serbian. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but yeah, I wish I could say that. I can't. Uh I'll try. Man City 3, Sverberecka one. Um and that's that's as good heard, as we get. I've, like
0: I've heard worse attempts at I'll be <laughs> honest.
2: <laughs> Look, the big takeaway from this one is um Julian Alvarez is the best supporting actor in world football. Um, you won't find anyone that is as selfless as this lad when he's perfectly capable, I think, of probably just being the main man if you wanted to be at this point. Um, 23 years old, went to the World Cup um, with Argentina, picked up a, a winner's medal there, um, scored four goals along the way. Um But his job really was to make sure that it was Leo Messi's time. That was his main job. It's like, make sure you do well, you'll play all the games, but just make sure that Messi ends up getting that Ballon d'Or that he wants and that we we win the tournament. And he's like, okay, no worries. Now he's doing the same job at Man City for Erling Haaland. Like, he's, he's there. And then if the main man can't quite deliver when he needs to, alvarez will just take it on himself It just, just leave this to me some of the stuff he did in this game was absolutely ridiculous the first goal is absolutely <laughs>
0: sublime it's, it's one of the best pieces of skill i've seen in a long time
2: oh he's a joy to watch mate he's an absolute joy to watch he's so good in fact that i've transferred him into my fpl team for this week because when players are in this kind of form uh, and especially if you've currently got ollie watkins up front in your fpl team you've you've got a you've got a pay notice to it. and um, I've got to
0: say, I've actually, I'm have actually, I actually ahead of the curve for once. I put him in the day that De Bruyne got injured.
2: Did you? Yeah, I mean, that's good. I mean, there's obviously always, there was always that uncertainty about where Alvarez was actually going to fit into this Man City team. And he's taken advantage, really, of that, that De Bruyne injury, for sure. And certainly Pep hasn't had to worry about that. I mean, that's how good Alvarez is and how strong Man City are. Kevin De Bruyne is missing. We've all forgotten about it. Like, it doesn't matter. They don't need him. He can come back later in the season and do his thing for the last two or three months. That'll be just fine, sir. I've
0: got to say, there can't be many teams on the planet where
2: he wouldn't start. Oh, like,
0: two or three as the main number
2: nine. There can't be. There I can't, can't even think of that. At
0: all. Well, I he mean, probably wouldn't for Bayern Munich because they have Harry Kane. Yeah, so there's Kane um, and
2: Lewandowski where he's he's not going to take their shirts. Um, I don't
0: know, man. I think that if he was at Barcelona alongside Lewandowski, he might have had the number nine be shirt a, already.
2: Yeah, maybe. He could definitely play in that team, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that he could get in, in anywhere. Um, but Man City, I mean, I think you said at the time that the, this was going to, be a great signing and and there was big things to be expected here and it's uh, he's absolutely flourishing this season and even when De Bruyne comes back Pep's gonna have a big big decision to work out like what he does who is going to be the guy that misses out because I don't think it's going to be Alvarez anymore yeah I mean there was a lot of fun
0: in this game my favorite thing that happened in this game was that there was a banner in the Etihad that just said can we talk about Rodri (laughs) and he put on another masterclass in the middle of the park and then he got on the score sheet. Really, really lovely goal. But, you know, something has to be said. This man, you know, we we talk about the Ballon d'Or this year. We talk about the fact that, you know, a lot of people saying, oh, it's Messi or Haaland. There's got to be a point where you start being like, has Rodri been the best player in the world?
2: Just goes unnoticed, and, doesn't it? So much of it. That's that's the thing. Like for your casual view of someone who doesn't like watch the game closely and you just got the game, the game on. The
0: game is the the Ballon d'Or is not decided by people who don't watch the game closely. No, this I is what know, always makes just... me laugh. Like people are like, oh, well, it's an underrated position. And, you know, you know, the, the whole thing about defenders never winning it. I get that, but equally like these are, you know, pretty informed top draw journalists making these votes. Like you'd think that some of them would go, well, yeah, maybe actually maybe the best player in the world hasn't been the striker who scored this many I don't goals. I think
2: so though, mate, because journalists typically don't analyse games like you think they would. There are people now out there who definitely do, because that is something that's come through in the last mainly in the last five years. Five to ten at a stretch but I'd say last five years, like tactical football writing has become a thing. And before that, it was very, very niche. And any time I went to a press conference and someone started asking tactical questions, you, everyone in the room would be like, what's he doing? What, what's he doing? What's he talking about? Formations? Get out of the way, mate. You want to sort of find out if there's been any bust-ups in the dressing room? Um, <laughs> and it, it's funny, actually, because managers didn't used to like being asked stuff that would spark a a headline for a tabloid paper or whatever so they they'd be like oh can't can't we talk about the football now if you go into a press conference and criticize a manager about his formation and start talking about the way his team's playing they don't like that either there's nothing you can ask in a press conference that a manager's actually going to like
0: no, I can imagine. I can imagine it's not the, the, the best environment for managers, unless you're Ange Postacoglu, who seems to be the best at them in the world. Um, right, let's work through the other games that happened last night. Uh, PSG to Dortmund, nil at the park. Uh, no goals in the first half of PSG, despite the fact they were really, really dominant. Uh, Vettini hit the post. But oh, just after half-time, PSG got a penalty. It was a bit harsh. It's, all, it's another one like tonight's one, right? It's it a penalty. But it bounces up and there's not much that, that Sulu can do about it. Mats Hummels tweeted afterwards. He was like, PSG were the better side and deserved to win tonight. But how do you win against referees like that? And I was like, OK, mate, seems a bit harsh. Um, but yeah, basically, there's a, the second goal is beautiful. It's Vitinha and Hakimi with this link-up play that allows them both to sort of waltz into the box. And then Hakimi beats another man and dribbles around the keeper and scores. it. Really, really good goal. Um, Dortmund just couldn't get into this whatsoever. And Edin Terzic really starting to fall under a little bit of pressure now. He, he got away with one a bit at the weekend. They beat Freiburg 4-2. But they haven't been brilliant this season yet, I think. And this was a pretty comfortable victory for PSG. You would kind of expect them to win at home. But the way that they kind of kept Dortmund at arm's length, I thought was was, was pretty impressive, um, but pretty depressing. I imagine if you're a black and yellow
2: persuasion mm, yeah um i've seen a few highlights of this one and it's surprising i have to say mate i i i always assumed going into last night that on tuesday night that i would be watching psg dortmund and i actually started the night watching Nord v celtic and after 20 minutes of that game i had to abandon my decision and i, I ended up turning on to the man city game instead mainly because there hadn't been any goals and I was surprised and I went for that. So I can't believe I I still haven't watched like the full version of PSG Dortmund because it seemed like the most obvious game of the week to really watch. But yeah, started off fine odd celtic
0: It didn't, you didn't particularly make a poor decision. It wasn't a great game. Usman Dembele and then Colet Muani and Mbappe started together, which is obviously the kind of all French front three that people have been excited about. Dembele did some nice things, but he also kept making the wrong decision. It was all a bit weird. I I felt it was a a bit of a strange game from him because there were some nice moments and yet it still felt like he had so much more to give. It it wasn't the best of performances from PSG, but they were comfortable enough, I think, by the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk about the best moment I've seen in ages in a football match, which happened in Lazio 1, Atletico Madrid 1, and the most dramatic moment of the Champions League so far this season, Lazio's goalkeeper, Ivan Providel, scored a 94th minute equalizing header to save a point in in their game at home to Atleti. And it was an unbelievable header. It's one of those where, you know, sometimes the keeper scores, although I think he's only the second keeper ever to score from open play in the Champions League. But it's not, you know, sometimes the ball sort of hits the keeper or it drops to them and they just sort of lash at it. This is a perfectly timed run. And I think it's a shot from Luis Alberto that for the top corner. And he just sort of perfectly times his run, leaps and like smashes this header past Jano Black. And the celebration's like so cool. He's like, nah, this is what I do. This is what I do. So I looked into it. And turns out he used to be a, a, a striker in his oh. youth career. And he looked back at his, you know, his, his career through there. He only changed to being a goalkeeper very late on. In in his career, which is pretty wild, and it is the kind of header that you go, that man's had some experience
2: <laughs> because
0: it was in it. so. I found out today he scored twenty seven goals as a striker in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, in the youth system for a team called uh, portanone Calcio, who play now in the fourth tier of Italian football in Serie D but who were actually relegated from the third tier last year, despite the fact they actually came second in the league uh, because they were just financially unviable. So it's not like a complete and out of nowhere, you know, that there wasn't a team that he played for that were were rubbish. There were a team in the system. And yeah, he scored 27 goals in 2008 So that's why. He only changed his his position to goalkeeper after that.
2: Wild. Amazing. That is really cool. little twist to the tale. I heard yesterday actually Bernd Leno talking about how he used to be a midfielder. Hmm.
0: Um, I hope he doesn't
2: decide to, to go and start wandering around in midfield in the way that... Provide well, he had. might replace Paulinho, they were saying, in January. So we have to wait and see if that happens. Maybe. Maybe. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this this
0: moment from Provido, if you haven't seen it, go and check it out. It's the most incredible header. Uh, the stadium goes wild. And it's a bit of, you know, Simeone got welcomed back to Lazio. There was a big banner saying Rome will always be your home. He spent four years at Lazio as a key part. A couple of trophies there as well. Um, and Atleti started really, really well. But... About 70 minutes, they just decided to go full murder ball and basically refused to play football and they were punished. And, you know, sometimes I'm grateful for those things happening because as much as I like Atleti, when they decide that they just want to shell, it's quite frustrating when they have this amount of talent on the pitch and Mm -hmm. and they were punished. And if they just kept going, they probably would have scored a second because Lazio really weren't very good up to about the last five minutes of this Mm -hmm. game.
2: Nice. No, yeah, well, that's uh, a lesson for them. They, whenever your keeper comes up and has to rescue you, it's never a great sign, is it? But um, at least they had someone that could do it.
0: Yeah, Superman. Great moment for Providell. Um Right, final two, Celtic nil. You watched the first 20 minutes. Um, it was about as good as it got, really, for Celtic. Um, this was a replay of a previous European Cup final, um, but in Rotterdam. Nice so it was two you know what I thought Celtic were alright it was two pretty well matched teams They were um, right, Yeah. and then on the cusp of half time Calvin Stengs takes a free kick from 30 yards out Joe Hart should do a whole lot better with this um, and then Celtic go down to 10 men give away a penalty Gustav Lagabielka was sent off for a second yellow really stupid Brendan Rodgers spoke about it he was like you've just got to Shepherd the ball back I don't know what he's trying to do Joe Hart made up for his earlier error by saving the penalty which was pretty good uh-huh. And then five minutes later, Odin Tiago Holm was sent off for a dangerous tackle, uh, which took Celtic down to nine men. One of the best pieces of commentary or analysis commentary that I've ever heard from James Horncastle, who was watching this game, mm. who basically went, that tackle was more Odin than Tiago," which, <laughs> which I did very much enjoy. Um, and after that, it was damage control for Celtic. They, I think, the final scored two, which were both ruled out and then finally got their second goal. But nine men in Champions League, as Brendan Rodgers said, it's hard enough with 11. So... A tough yeah. one for Celtic, but I think there were some positives in the, in the first sort of 45 minutes of this game before before it all sort of fell apart. Um, Shakhtar won a Porto 3 in Hamburg because obviously Shakhtar Donetsk can't play at home. Yeah. But they play their league games in Poland and they're playing their Champions League games in Hamburg. There's a million Ukrainians displaced in Germany um, and the home crowd really got behind them in this one. Really good start to this game. Three goals in the first 15 minutes. Um, there was some pretty poor defending but Winston Galeno, who's finally started getting going for Porto, scored the opener. Um, but Kevin Kelsey, who's a 19-year-old Venezuelan, headed Shakhtar level, a really brilliant cross from Conoplia. And the crowd went absolutely ballistic. And you were like, OK, cool. Let's see what they can do. And then literally Porto went back down the other end. And Shakhtar played the ball across their own box. Defender, it. Galeno nicked in and scored a second. It was like, ah, you just killed all the momentum. They went, but Porto are really, really good. Um we going you know, Galeno then set up Mediterranean. He was top scoring last year's group stage. I forgot about that. Ooh. Um, but he's off the mark for the year, and the second half was pretty un, yeah, un, kind of an imaginative. Nothing really went on in the second half that was was worth noting. But yeah, I, I thought Porto looked really good here. They've had a good start to the season. They're joint top of the Primeira with Boa which is cool. Uh the two sides from different sides of Porto. Um and Yeah, they were very in control here. The midfield looks much more settled. And generally, I just thought they were impressive. Uh, And then the final game was Young Boys 1, Leipzig 3. Leipzig just a bit too good for them. Um, They scored the first goal of the competition in the third minute. Peg back in the first half with a really brilliant goal for for Young Boys, actually. Elia scores an absolute stunner. Um, but then two goals. I, I don't know how Javi Simons doesn't win a penalty. He won man the match in the end, um, but there's a clear foul. VAR just decides not to give it. Really strange, like one of those really odd decisions that doesn't make any sense whatsoever, mm. um, but it was fine. Xavier Schlager scored a really good goal from outside the box, and in the final dying seconds, uh, Benjamin Szczesko went through and scored, made him Leipzig's youngest ever Champions League scorer. Um, if you could name me the player he took that record off,
2: I will give you three pints. Well, I'm I'm just not going to I'll get give it you then, a. Cl- like. I'll give you
0: a clue. He once played for Leeds. James Milner. <laughs> 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 I think he was Leeds' record signing for
2: a while. Actually,
0: Leeds' record signing, Harry John, Kiel. Ke- John
2: Kevin Augusta oh you know I mean? yeah that was it didn't they they ended up going to court over him didn't they yeah
0: ended up going to court didn't really play any games really, yeah. strange, really strange move um but yeah he was the likes of young scorer until Sheshko scored yesterday so thankfully his his name is sort of off the books now we don't have to deal with that one anymore <laughs> and uh with that, i think it's probably time for us to call it a day mate
2: yeah i think it is mate it's it's late um and it's been fun. Um, thanks for revealing some of those score lines to me that I didn't know. I have now seen three of the four Arsenal goals that went in tonight, and they were very good. I really liked the Trossard breakaway one. That was a lot of fun. And Gabi Jesus, I'll tell you what, if I had was- not already made my FPL change I'll be thinking oh is it time to get Gabby Jesus in my team so, nice uh, have, yeah. it's
0: nice to have him back isn't it First it looks like he's back mark.
2: for sure it was a lovely strike that one absolutely right well all that's left for me to do is say thank you very
0: much to our transfer group Mr Dean Jones cheers mate I've been Jack Collins neighbour of Hearts thank you so much for tuning in to Ranks FC and for listening to this Champions League takeaway we hope that you're going to enjoy it as much as people seemed to last year please do let us know uh, with ratings reviews the entire shebang if you haven't go back and listen to the podcast we recorded earlier this week with harry brooks about different trends that we've noticed so far this season in football it's a really good episode it's always good to have head coach harry back in the ranks fc fold and we'll be back next week with another two episode week we'll have the standard show on wednesday and then there's a friday episode as well and um, that i recorded today i'm really excited about and uh, talking about south american footballers who have moved to europe with nathan joyce who is a south american football expert it was a, a really really brilliant chat and i'm looking forward to you all hearing it thank you so much for listening. This has been Champions League Takeaway from Ranks FC, and we'll see you very shortly, gang. Take it easy. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score, and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify.
1: slash ranks.